0: He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst.
1: Craig, Craig Biggins.
0: Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent tr- 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 truth. ha! <laughs> 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 welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. Five star... Friday. And it's your boy, Coach Keith. GB! What up?
1: What up, Keith? I'm so jacked up. We have a great guest, a great guy, great friend. Terry Bullock, St. John Bosco. Man, what
0: an honor to have him on the show. TB, man. Listen, the first call I make if I ever become a head coach in high school, college, or professional, Terry Bullock's the guy I'm going to call. There's no doubt about it. But before we get to that, GB, we got to remind people about our Sleeper of the Week. Hey, we want to remind everybody, tune in every Wednesday for our Sleeper of the Week segment. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really entrenched in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg?
1: Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help
0: you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. free! Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, and we're back. We want to get right to it. Uh, GB, any thoughts before going into this interview with Terry?
1: No, I mean, he, he is I mean he's a great friend. We, we hang out often, and I can't tell you if run a field, and you'll, you'll hear it when, you, talk, when you, you listen to the show, but, dude, this is a kid who everywhere we go, kids just gravitate toward him and come up and say, hey, coach, how you doing? Whether they're Bosco, modern day, he doesn't care, man. He, he did unconditional love from him. Doesn't care if you go to Bosco or not. Obviously, he'd prefer you to play for Bosco, but holds no grudges. And uh, man, just a magnetic personality for sure.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Tremendous personality, tremendous sense of humor, uh, but very upfront, and honest, and, and transparent. That's why we have him on the show. So without further ado, let's bring him in. This is my guy, Terry Bullock, St. John Bosco. All right, right now, we'd like to bring in maybe the top recruit in America. Not prospect in terms of playing football, but top recruit as far as coaches. We got assistant linebacker coach from St. John Bosco, Mr. Terry Bullock. TB, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good, Keith. Thanks for having me.
0: No question about it. I'm glad we finally got you on the show, TB. Uh, we got a ton of things to talk about, ton of questions to ask you. I got my man Greg Biggis here. And make sure when you answer him, always give him the transparent truth.
1: 100%. 10-4. What's up, Greg? Terry Bullock. What's up, man, dude? Not just a coach, but a, a great friend of mine who you, you kind of stood up. Stood, you stood me up this past weekend, Terry. I know you, you're, oh, you're aware of that, right? I thought we had a little Ruth, Ruth Chris double date with myself, dude. my wife, you, and whoever else you were going to bring. But you, you got a little sick on me. T. I was a little disappointed. Man, I was at the Elite 11. I was dying. I had pink eyes. man. You know, so.
2: You know, after the camp was over, I went back to the hotel and I laid down at 5 o'clock. It's, you know, I wake up, it's 11 at night, and I just went back to bed. I was, I was pretty much a waste.
1: And then in hindsight, I'll take it and sit up in order to not get pink eyes. So you know, Yeah, yeah. To you all, know but... how
2: contagious that is.
1: Hey, Terry, let's talk a little bit John Bosco. And I know we want to talk about this year's team, and I, I love this year's team. I think so far from what I've, what I've seen, I think Keith degrees. I think Bosco might have had the best. Off season so far, you guys just look, you know, clean and, and everybody in the same page. But we can't talk about this year without going back to last year, right? Um, yeah. Huge expectations, defending state champions, a ton of talent back, and it just seemed like from the get-go there was off-the-field nonsense and distractions. If, if you can, in a nutshell, describe what it was like last season, from the preseason all the way to the last game against Mother Day, where if we can be totally brutally honest. It kind of took y'all to the woodshed just a little bit. Uh, what was what was last year like? In a nutshell, sum it up for me, Terry.
2: Oh man, it was uh, it was it was kind of it was a nightmare at some points. You know what I mean? It was you know going into the season. Obviously, the team had high expectations. Coming off that state championship victory, you know, had a handful of returning players. You know, a state champion quarterback and going into the season things were pretty much looking on the up and up um, you know obviously we had DJ there backing up Real and you know we had that QB1 reality show which I think everybody kind of felt was, you know I think at some point in time was a distraction you know but I guess it's a it, was a it was a learning experience for everyone and you know just kind of as the year went on and the way things played out we had a little bit of quarterback controversy going on if you want to call it and you know, there was a little bit of rotating going on at one point, and DJ ended up being the guy. And, you know, as as chaotic as some things were throughout the season, I think it was pretty impressive that you know the team was still able to navigate through some of the issues and make it to the championship game. But you know, the bottom line, it was modern day's year. You know, they were they were as good as it gets, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is you know if you look at the previous year. we won the state cif championship and the state championship we beat modern day on the on the roads of state well modern day went through that whole off season with that bad taste in their mouth and that feeling of losing on a big stage and it was their year this year to finish what they didn't finish the year before and you know obviously we all hate losing keith i think you know as a coach you don't coach to lose i know we don't yeah you know i mean i hate losing you know what I mean? I think in high school, I can count on one hand how many games I lost. But, um, that's kind of where we're at right now. You know what I mean? We got that slice of humble pie last year when we lost to Modern Day in the championship game. And, um, you know, I think it kind of rejuvenated everybody. You know what I mean? We got a brand new offensive coordinator, um, Coach Lowe, who's been tremendous. You know what I mean? Like the kids love him. He pretty much hit the ground running and, you know, everybody's just hungry. You know what I mean? It's that there's a fire lit under everybody and you could see
1: it. Do I dare call it the Eye of the Tiger? Terry. Oh, for sure. Maybe one there's of no, the greatest yeah, movies no, of
2: all time, no, Rocky III? No, yeah, there's of books about it. You know
1: what I mean? Everybody's as hungry as they
2: could be and you know, I think it shows. You know, what I mean, I you know, I think the actions are speaking louder than the words.
1: So Terry, again, get I the guy I was talking about, the elephant in the room, you kind of touched upon it a little bit, you know, with Real was a returning state champion quarterback. DJ is a guy who, you know, you listen to Wednesday's show, Keith and I both said this guy could be camp number one pick in the draft. He's coming up. I know it's tough to keep, you know, both guys happy, right? I mean, you have this generational talent DJ who he's got to get his reps. You have Real, who in his eyes is a returning state champion quarterback he's a D1 guy in his own right and it just kind of seemed like things just kind of fell apart right away I mean it wasn't just after you know a couple losses it seemed like even in the win, there was already some signs of some you know some issues when did you first start to realize that you know what this could be an issue moving forward you know Real's not happy the family's not happy. God bless DJ. Right? I mean, he handled that better than most adults, and he's a 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old kid who's handling it so mature. But when did you first see some signs that this might be an issue? Well, I think
2: you know. I mean, obviously, I think from the season opener. You know, when we were around Fort Lauderdale. You know, we we go to overtime against St. Thomas Aquinas, three to three. You know, we ended up losing in overtime, nine to six. But it's like. You know, we defensively, you know, defense, you couldn't do any better. I think we held them to 76 yards of total offense, you know. But also in Real's defense, you know, there's been some drop balls. And, you know what I mean? There were some missed blocks. He was running for his life. So it's kind of, you can't put it all on one person. You know what I mean? You're going to win as a team. You're going to lose as a team. You know, and I think moving forward, when we played in a game in Baltimore, Maryland against St. Uh, St. John's College High School, I think that was kind of the point of the season where things kind of started to turn because that was a game in the fourth quarter where, you know, Real made a couple mistakes. He ended up getting taken out of the game, and DJ came in, and we won the game. But even moving forward on from that point, Real Real never lost his spot, and I think that's something that everybody should know. He never lost his position because, you know, people want to take their story and spin it and this this and that, you know, when we came back from Washington, D.C., we were going into a bye week for Orange Lutheran, and I think Coach Negro, I think he handled it excellent, you know what I mean? he That was his guy that won his state championship the year before, you know, he gave him every ample opportunity, you know, stayed loyal to him, gave him every chance, and then even going into the Orange Lutheran game, he basically just said, hey, it's an open competition, you know, and whoever has a better week of practice is going to start the Orange Lutheran game, but I'm going to rotate you guys every series. So, you know, going into the Orange Lutheran game, you know, Real started, but him and DJ rotated. And I want to say, I think Real might have rushed for like two or three touchdowns and DJ passed for two, and we won the game. You know, so for anybody on the outside looking in, it looked like we had a good little recipe because now any team we're going to play, they're going to have to defend two quarterbacks. You know, you're going to have to defend a quarterback who can run and throw, and then you're going to have to defend a quarterback who's like a true pocket passer. So, you know, I thought it was going to be really good and then, you know, unfortunately some things happened and, you know, there was an undisclosed injury that came about and, you know, Real was no longer participating as a quarterback and, you know, we kind of had to move on from there. And then, you know, we went into the modern day game at El Camino College and, uh, you know, that was DJ's first first game he got thrown into the fire with live bullets, you know, as a starter and I thought he handled that game pretty well too you know we ended up losing by 10 you know obviously we gave up a big punt return to Amon Ra which you know we can you, you give a team like that an easy opportunity to score and get a spot in points you know and then uh, you know we had a field goal block so you know we lose by 10 points the first meeting and then I think the second meeting around by the time we got to the championship I think the season was just so long and emotionally draining and stuff and I think as the season went on, modern day was just gaining more momentum up, and I think we kind of were just, you know, even,
1: you know, in the championship game, they just had a better night. You know, Terry, it's, it, I think it's kind of a, a, a cool thing in a way that, you know, you had all these distractions and you mentioned the team was just kind of ready and just tired. This is a bad year for Bosco. You guys still made it to your, I want to say your fifth straight have championship, never been done before. Or is it, is it six or five? It was five, yeah. The record, five. though, right? This is your down year. You guys still make it all the way to the final. You you dominate I team that Centennial team. had kind of been a you know a really tough out for whoever has to play them in the semifinals. And you meet up against the Modern Day team. And you, you and yeah. I talk almost daily, Terry. And I remember in my head, and I love your, your team. I love Jason and Chad Johnson and the and the, the players of the team would be and Blaylock. But in my head, I honestly didn't see a way for you guys to win that game. and It had nothing to do with the the off-the-field distractions. I just saw Day as this generational team that was really, really good. But I know talking to you every day, I know you were really confident that, you know, you kind of mentioned it before, you only lost by 10 the first time. You had these off-the-field distractions. That was DJ's first goal of it. You had the return, probably turn for a touchdown. You had the blocked field goal. All these things that could have happened, negatively happened, and you still were in the game. And I know you're pretty confident. Again, that one kind of got away, I thought, pretty quickly. I just did my body, which is so good and so dominant. When you're on the sidelines and you're watching the game and it's the first quarter and you're, you're seeing, you know, JT making throws, you're seeing Brew making plays against the secondary, and you're seeing defensively, you know, they're getting after the quarterback. At what point were you like, shoot, man? This team might just be a little bit better than we are today. At what point in that game? Because I know you were confident going in, but did you kind of, kind of, kind of just look at yourself and kind of go, "Dude, we don't have it today."
2: Yeah, I definitely think in the third quarter. Like in the third quarter when they started to pull away, I think it was kind of like, "Okay, this might not be too good here." <laughs> you know, because even, even, you know, even I don't know if you remember before half. Like they got the ball with like less than two minutes left, and they drove the whole field and scored. We could have went in. We could have win in that half. I want to say, like, down seven. Yeah. You know, we and we gave up a quick one, like, before half. You know what I mean? And just, hey, man, those, they were just good, man. You know what I mean? That offensive line, like, you know, I know everybody always talks about how good JT is and how good Avon Ra is, which they are. and CJ, Kobe, and, and all those guys. But it's like, that line doesn't get enough credit. You know, JT, JT Daniels was back there in the pocket making Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? He... That that guy had all the time in the world. You know I mean? Not to mention the guy's got a cannon for an arm and you know what I mean, just his football IQ's through the roof and it doesn't hurt that he has a candy store of receivers. You know, you give a guy you give a guy time like that, it doesn't matter, you know, how good your defense is, someone's gonna get open, especially when no one can get to the quarterback. You know, so it definitely uh it definitely ended up being like a rough night towards the end, but you know, like I said, man, sometimes a loss like that's a blessing in disguise. You know, I mean, you, you learn a lot from a loss.
1: Let, let, let's turn the page, Terry. I know you're, you're probably dying to turn it You're probably going to, what is GB going to stop talking about last year's freaking oh, team? Oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. I'm turning the page, Terry. This year's team, we, we got the eye of the Tiger Vite. We got dudes. We got some new We got some new recruits that are in here now. We got dudes like Titus Tolar, who's a, who's a banger, who will come downhill and hit you. Chet McDuffie could be, you know, as good an athlete as there is in the state. Um, Central Lytle playing linebacker. Uh, If you can, talk about some of the new players that, you know, we haven't seen. If you're a Bosco fan, you haven't seen McDuffie or Kohler or or Lytle. Um, How are those guys adjusting? How 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 have they been kind of implemented into the defense? Uh, You already mentioned Lytle's kind of a leader already, right? So if you can, you know, talk about the new guys, the new players that we should be watching for this year. Uh, If you're a Takedown Bosco fan or just just a high school football fan.
2: Well, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, getting Spencer Lytle, you know, that was huge. You know, he's a a big-time recruit, um, great linebacker, hard worker. You know, he brings that senior veteran leadership to the team from his experience. You know, the first week we're in spring ball. You know, the guy's in meetings. He's got his notepad out. He's taking notes. He's asking questions. So, you know, I think obviously as a coach, when you see something like that, it shows like, wow, this guy's serious, this guy's engaged. You know, um, Titus actually has a very high football IQ, too. He's very smart. You know, he's picked it up right away. You know, Trent is, that guy is just, you know, that guy's a freak. You know, just with his overall speed and ability, you know, he could easily be like a two-way threat. You know what I mean? So he's been, he's been spending most of his time on like the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, obviously Trent and Titus and Colby Bowman, those guys are all, you know, they're track guys. They're competing for CIF this Saturday in the one, So they've been doing a lot of double duty. But, um, you know, it, it's it's been a breath of fresh air to have some guys like that because even though they're new, this isn't their first rodeo. Like those guys have played a lot of varsity games and they know what's going on. So I think they have a lot of respect from the kids already and they've kind of stepped right in and it's been like kind of turnkey everybody's embraced him you know Raylan a returning linebacker Um, we have another middle linebacker Jacob Jordan who I think is like extremely underrated you know as far as in between the tackles I don't think there's a better linebacker around like you're not going to run that guy you're not going to run the ball on that guy without getting tattooed and then um, you know obviously we got Chris Steele back you know Chris Steele's been training like a madman you know he's going to have a big year this year um two of the actually three of the younger guys in the secondary, the twenty twenty guys, is um Jake Newman, the safety. He's a younger brother of Chase Newman at Colorado. You know, fast downhill. You know, kinda like Gruda a good type player. He'll hit you. You know what I mean? He doesn't miss tackles. You know, we got John Bonds, you know, he's back there making big plays. Court Williams. Um, these are all twenty twenty guys, so these are guys that are gonna be juniors, you know, Joshua Alford or Nickel. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys, and then you know, obviously, you know about our D line that so we return. I want
1: to say we returned like six starters from our D line last year. So I think that's speak that speak on that, Terry. Speak on that D line because I'm, I'm, me and Keith are going to go back and forth on this. I love your D line. Keith's a fan of the Centennial D line.
0: Oh, yeah, they, tell they, tell me, Terry, they got me, Terry. Don't be religious.
1: humble. Don't be humble. Tell me, Terry, why why is the Bosco D line the best D line in the state? Preach on that.
2: Oh man, that's a lot. um <laughs> Just, man, because they're they're just big. You know, I mean, they're big. They're athletic. You know, you look at Naeem Rodman, you know, he's like 6'3, almost 300 pounds. Um, Pretty much started almost every game last year. You know, you got Kobe Pepe. He's another huge dude. He's just size 6'3. He's like 280. Started as a sophomore. You know, Cole Aubrey, he knows how to get after the quarterback. Um, We have have the Pote back, who's 100% healthy, which is huge. Savea Logaleo. Um, we've got another young guy that you guys have to watch out for. His name is Matthew Jordan. He's a 2020 kid. He's a like a hybrid type, DN Russian guy, kind of like a taller, taller, taller version of uh, like a, just like a taller uh, kind of I want to say lengthly, lengthier, lengthier um, Cole Aubrey type guy, really fast off the edge. And then we have another big guy, um, Romeo Galasso. Romeo's pretty big. Romeo's about 6'5", 250. So, you know, you got a solid rotation of, like, six really good D linemen, guys that can come in off the bench and, you know, give somebody a rest when they need to. But you figure between Kobe Pepe, Naeem Rodman, and Suave Poti, even Cole Aubrey, those guys are three-down guys. Like, they don't ever have to come off the field if they don't want to. You know, so I think that depth that we have of a D line is going to be huge. You know, it should allow our linebackers to make a lot of tackles because a lot of those guys require double teams. And this is going to be their second year as starters. I mean, I think last year was their first year kind of taking off the launch pad and they learned a lot. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are going to be seniors. You know, we're going to be pretty senior heavy at a lot of spots. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what that D line does. I know they're going to give a lot of teams a lot of problems. Let's figure that right hey,
1: now. Hey, let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. and you know, we've seen DJ make a big leap, which makes sense because he's actually doing football this spring as opposed to baseball. But what have you seen from DJ? Not just from a pure throwing standpoint, but just has he? You know, DJ's a pretty quiet kid. Have you seen him kind of maybe pick up the the leadership a little bit? Is that is that is he kind of built for, the, for that? I mean, I know he's a leader by example, but is he a, a guy who's gonna you know talk to a, You know, some of the guys is he gonna he'll never give a rah-rah speech, but is he? Um, you know, a guy that's going to ride the guys around, go throw on the weekend, get, you know, just be that, be that dude in the locker room. Um, how has DJ stepped up this this year, this season? Kind of on the field, and also just you know, with the with the with the vocal type thing. Hey, he's got to, you know, if you're a quarterback, you got to have to, you got to have to have that little bit.
2: Yeah, DJ. I think now DJ knows it's it's his show. You know, what I mean, They're not in like an arrogant way. You know, what I mean, but I think from the beginning of the spring, it's. You what's know, his offense to lead you know he has a commanding presence you know you know he's learning a new offense or sort of the new offensive coordinator but just the little things like you know making guys are making sure guys are lined up in the right area you know oh this guy's on this guy's off you're on the numbers you're on the hash he's doing this like he knows you know what I mean now in practice the ball's coming out way faster you know he's figuring out his hot reads a lot faster just it just seems like he's just a lot more comfortable now. Not to say that he wasn't last year, but like, you know, when you see a guy just get in a rhythm, everything with him is fluid. And, you know, leading by example is one thing, but DJ, you know, for someone that's like, I don't want to say he's like such a big deal, but he kind of is, he doesn't act like it. You know what I mean? He's a very humble kid. You know, he doesn't act like he's bigger than life. You know what I mean? Obviously, he spends a lot of time with me and my family and, you know, i got four kids from the age of 10 down, and, you know, we could be over here watching the game, and he's, like, in the backyard playing basketball or going down the slide with, like, the kids, you know what I mean? So he still has, like, that, you know, just that, that innocent pureness to him, you know what I mean? But, you know, I think ultimately, man, like, we've been blessed to have him in the program. And the scary thing is he's got this whole season and one more, and, you know, the sky's the limit with him, you know what I mean? He can make any throw from anywhere on the field. You know, he could, be on, he could be on one side of the field and make a throw on a rope to the numbers on the other side, like, no problem. And um, he's got so much talent to throw to, you know I mean? Obviously, you know, you got Colby Bowman, who's going to Stanford. He's been killing it in track. Um, you know, Jake Bailey, who I think is probably one of the best slots in high school football, you know, super underrated. You know, because, like, a lot of people don't realize with Jake Bailey, Jake Bailey's like an absolute mismatch at the slot because he's pretty built. Jake's about 200 pounds, so linebackers aren't just going to be able to reroute him because he can, like, bully a linebacker, but he's shifty enough to, like, shake nickels. So, you know, Jake's a super-duper big mismatch in the slot. You know, we got Chris Hudson, who's a – you know, he can run right by you over the top. Highest pointer's had a big spring. And then our freshman, um, Bo Collins, who I think is going to have a huge year – You know, big old, almost six foot four freshman receiver. You know, he's coming into his own. And then, um, you know, Jude Wolf, uh, I I hope to see him get the ball a lot more this year. It's not every day, you know, you got a six foot six, 250 pound tight end that can run and catch, you know, so it'd be nice to, you know, see him do some things. And then um, we got that three headed monster in the backfield. You know, you got, you got George Alani, who I, I, I may sound biased, but I think he's one of the best all around backs. The guy can run. The guy can block. The guy can catch. Plays through injury. You no, know, not a man of many words. You know what I mean? But he'll put a hole in you. He'll put a hole in your soul. You know what I mean? And you got Keith Savage, another young twenty-twenty back, and uh, Nathaniel Jones, Sandp, another big twenty-twenty back. So those are like, you know, those are three guys that not only can run by you, they can run through you. You know, they can make you miss. So you know, it's it's, it's going to make for like a good balance. You know.
1: I like it, Terry. Man, you're so far ahead of the game. I can't even. I was going to ask you about George and the three headed monster and how Bowman and Hudson. You just, you just cruise. You just go from the DJ to the receiver core to the running back. Man, you're just, you're a pro. You're doing your own interview. I can't even. <laughs> I can ask, you answer the question before I even can, can ask the question. Hey, I do want to ask about George Halani because Keith and I love, love George Halani. I know he was banged up last year. He played the modern day game, the first game. He told me he wasn't even going to play. I think that morning. And then he just gutted it out because that's what George Lonnie does. You say don't? I mean, you're not being biased by saying you're one. Of, he's one of the best. I mean, I think you could make a case. He's he's as good as anybody any back in the state. What do you think makes George so good? What is it about him that's special?
2: Man, well, you know, you know George. You know George. He comes from a humble background. You know George kind of represents the struggle. You know, he's got a big family of ten and. You know, his father son is a hardworking man, and his mother is, I think he's just been raised different than most kids, and you know, I think Coach Keith would know, you know, being a coach in the inner city, and I came from the city, you know, a lot of people don't realize the way some kids grow up opposed to others, you know, it's, some kids know when that's their ticket out, their fight's a little different, and I think Coach Keith would agree, you know, and um, George is just, he's such a dude, you know, like the guy's The guy first of all he's strong as an ox like i don't know if you've ever seen him with his shirt off but he looks like one of the characters from 300 you know (laughs) what i mean he's just like just chiseled you know he's a he's an all-american rugby player he's got great speed he's got great wiggle he's got soft hands and i and like the dude like the dude can play defense like he just he just destroys people like he runs the ball and, like, he delivers a blow. It's almost like he's looking for you to hit him. Like, he can run away from you, but he's looking to run you over. You know what I mean? And he's just like, last year in the modern day game, his whole ankle was black and blue, and he still played. He was probably, like, 70% at best. But he was like, you know what? This is my team. Like, I'm not going to let these guys down. I'm going to play. And, you know, he fought hard, and I think that says a lot. You know what I mean? Not to say that, you know, kids got to play when they're injured or they're hurt. That was his decision, you know what I mean? And, you know, obviously he was cleared by the trainer to play, but he was like, no, nah, man, I'm playing. You know, I mean, especially in the day and age where you see guys sitting out a bowl game because they don't want to get injured. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of money on the line, but George is like, no, nah, I'm playing. You know, so, you know, he's a really good student academically. You know, he's taking AP courses. He's a high GPA kid. You know, I just, if you could duplicate 20 of him, you would never lose a game. You know, he's that good. And, you know, and obviously, I'm not taking nothing away. you got a bunch of other good guys from California. You know, obviously, you got Sean Dollars. You know, you got the Juwan Collins of the world. There's guys everywhere. You know? you know, I'm just saying, I think George has been proven against some top-tier
1: talent. Well, I get it, man. I, dude, I'm from South Central Huntington Beach there. I get the struggle. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you like that one? Yeah, to right. I to get a reaction out of you. No, dude, I'm a big fan. I, again, that was the game where, you know, Real couldn't play against my, that was the, the shoulder injury or the alleged shoulder injury you had, you had George out there playing on one leg. <clears throat> I thought that was just such a, uh, I don't know, just two extremes out there at that time. But uh, what about another guy I wanted to ask you about, and you know, I'll let Keith jump in if he has a question, but you know, Kobe Bowman, I, I think, you know, me and Keith, one thing about the show, we are always pretty much free to talk about any topic and there's nothing. And, you know, there's there's nothing that that we can't talk about, but we talk about sometimes it's kind of hard for a, a white wide receiver to get attention. Talk about Logan Loya a lot, and how much we like him, he has like three offers. He's starting to blow up now, but you know Bowman, dude, this kid can run, can't he? And I mean, I just feel like i have seen the videos of him running the two, uh, you know, the two hundred and, and the, the relays. And I mean, I, it, does he? Is he? Might just is it just me or he I mean, looks like he's going to have a huge year. Uh, talk about Colby going to Stanford obviously, so you know he's got the academic side of it down but uh what are you guys expecting out a Bowman? what kind of chemistry do him and d j have together and and where do you think his upside is as a football player three four years down the you know down down the road
2: well uh, Kobe has
1: you know Bowman has such a bright future
2: you know obviously him and d j are pretty close he calls d j his his big oose and uh you know they throw a lot. You know, what I mean, even in the, even like before spring football started, like they were throwing together, like DJ and all the receivers every day after school. You know, what I mean, so they've been working on their thing. But you know, Colby's just one of those prototypical hardworking Orange County boys. You know, what I mean, dad's got him. They're gritty, Terry. They're gritty out there in Orange County. <laughs> oh yeah, hey man, don't sleep on the OC boys. You know, what I mean, those kids are disciplined. They play hard. Like, you know, I never, hey man, I never, I never sleep on anybody. You know, what I mean, everybody, everybody brings something to the table, but it's like. You know, his dad invested in a judge machine. He catches hundreds of balls a week. You know, Colby's one of those kids. He trains like he's got nothing. You know what I mean? I think he just I think he just PR'd a couple weeks ago on the 200 at a 21-4, and that's moving. You yeah, know, yeah. he's on the 4x1 on the relay, and they're going to be competing for CIF this Saturday. I know at the Nike Regional he did really well. He ran like a 4-5-3, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got invited to the opening. And uh, not to mention, he's 6'3", 200-plus pounds. Like, he's a pretty large man, you know what I mean? And he's just, he's going to have a big year, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm happy to see everything that's happened to him because he's worked hard. Because, you know, like earlier on in the recruiting process, I think it was a little bit frustrating for, you know, the family. Because, you know, you, of course, you want to see your kid get recruited and things jump off. And I think a lot of parents get so focused on seeing kids getting these offers. And I think, you know, you and people both, Back me up on this but it's like hey they're cool but they don't mean anything until you sign that letter of intent you know i mean nothing's final till it's final and then you know it doesn't matter if you have one offer or 30 you can only go to one school but you know colby's recruiting kind of went from zero to 100 real quick you know he got he got his first couple offers last spring and then before you know it you know he was over 10 and you know one of the top receivers in the state of california and i think that's great because that's all the work that colby put in and you know, he, he fits Stanford perfect. He's a Stanford-type receiver. You know what I mean? And he's going to kill it this year because he plays the slot. He plays outside. I think one thing in his game that he's elevated, not only was his
1: speed, was his get-off
2: and, you know, his route running. So, Kobe's going to have a big year this year. You know, we're looking for some big things out of him. Keith, you
0: got anything? Yeah, I do. I do, actually, GB. I was just sitting here <clears throat> thinking while Terry was talking You know, the lifeblood of any high school program, and I don't care who you are, um, is the middle schools, right? Getting the best players out of middle school. Right now, Dylan Kendall is a 2022 kid we talked a little bit about on Wednesday. Come from the Cerritos Steelers Pop Warner program. Looks like he's going to be a big-time player for Bosco for years to come. But, but Terry, you have a story uh, with a guy we're all familiar with, with Brew McCoy and his father Horace. That I'd like for you to share in terms of when Brew was coming out of middle school, he was trying to choose between Bosco and Modern Day, and kind of what your relationship is with the family and how that thing all played out. Won't you give us give us that backstory, uh, Terry? Because I think it's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. So, Horace, you know, I don't want to I don't want to get Horace in trouble, but you know, Horace is my guy. You know, Horace and I are very close. You know even when brew decided not to come to bosco and went to modern day that never changed anything you know i don't think there's a week that goes by that we don't communicate whether it's text or a phone call and you know it, you can never be mad at a parent where they decide to send their kid you know what i mean they're doing what they feel is best and i think brew going to modern day has worked out pretty good for him you know what i mean
0: he's no doing really well sure.
2: so he was on uh, he was on bosco's four vertical team as a sixth grader and I wasn't there yet, but the next year when I came, it was his seventh grade year when he was on the four vertical team too. And that's when I first met his father, you know, Shelby, his wife, his little sister, Ava, and all of them. And then, you know, eighth grade year, he ended up playing for the IE Ducks. And that year he was on the team with JT Daniels and they just developed a good relationship. And then he ended up playing on the modern day four vertical team his eighth grade year and ended up going to modern day and that's where he's been, you know? So of course it was like, I, I want to say like, that was like my first heartbreak. You know, that was one kid that got away that I would have loved to have at St. John Boston. But you know, at the end of the day, you can't get them all, you know, and, uh, he ended up in a good place. You know what I mean? I, I'd say his career has been pretty darn good at modern day.
0: Yeah. There, there's no question about it. Um, and I know you have some similar stories with, uh, you know, some other kids across Southern California, but you know, I always tell people if I ever become a head coach again or again, I've never been a head coach at university varsity level, but if I become a head coach, the first call I'm making is to Terry Bullock. Terry, can, <laughs> can you, can you think of any reasons why you would be my first phone call?
2: man, okay. Well, that's, I appreciate that, man. You know, uh, Hey, man, I love it. You know what I mean? I love it. You know what I mean? It's – I put my – I definitely put my all into it. You know what I mean? And I'm still learning. You know what I mean? I'm still learning as a coach. I'm growing as a coach. You know what I mean? As my kids grow, I grow. You know what I mean? I bump my head a few times. You know, you learn. You make mistakes. You learn. You get better. You know what I mean? Obviously – you know, Coach Negro gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm forever, forever thankful to him and loyal to him. You know, what I mean, because it's not, it's not too often that you know you get your first coaching opportunity at one of the premier programs in the United States. Right. You know, and uh, it just would be hard to duplicate. You know, what I mean, when you start off at a school like St. John Bosco, I don't know anywhere else you could go where it would be the same. You know, what I mean, unless you went to college, which obviously I wouldn't do that because I got a good job and. It's more consistent than college coaches. But, you know, I I obviously, Keith, like, if that was the case, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, me not doing my job. You know what I mean? Plus, too, I wouldn't wouldn't cost you anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've been been volunteering now going on my sixth season, you know, and um, it's been cool, man. Like I said, Coach Negro, he's allowed me to grow. You know what I mean? and Last year was my first year full-time on varsity helping Coach Rob as a linebacker coach and Coach King and uh, you know he let me start getting more involved in the college recruiting with Coach Hall and you know Miss Jesse Christensen and you know it's, it's a special program man you got a lot of moving parts over there you got a lot of people behind the scenes doing a lot of things and you know we got the new stadium that's almost done they started laying down the turf yesterday so there's good things going man I'm really uh you know like you said earlier kind of a backtrack I'm really excited about these younger guys and uh You know, one thing I want to say about Dylan Kendall, you know, a lot of people were telling his mom, oh, you need to hold him back. He's only 13 years old. He's too small. He's too this. He's too that. You know, don't send him to St. John Bosco. He's never going to play. Well, here you have this young ninth grader who's probably put on about 15 pounds of muscle. And he's getting reps with Chris Steele, Trent McDuffie, you know, Joshua Alford, some ball players, you know, James Smith. You know, when most people, what most people said he wouldn't do, he's doing. So, I think that's a testament to: hey man, if you're not afraid to compete and you believe in yourself, you know, you could do it. Because you know, there's some other young guys too. You know, we have a you know a young DB Ryan Watson, Jordan Walker, John White, Bruce Walker. Like you know, we got some young dudes: Jody McDuffie, you know Jeffrey Trepanier, the, the son of Jeff Trepanier from uh, USC basketball. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's some young dudes in that freshman class, you know what I mean? So, a lot of these guys are in a great position being an offensive player. You know, not only do you get to go up against some of the top DBs, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the country throwing the ball, you know, and you're going to see at the showcase, you know, it's uh, it's competitive, man. A lot's changed from last year. You know, as a coach, like, we're not yelling at the kids so much to run around. You know, they're self-policing themselves. They're flying around to the ball, like they just—they just look like they're having fun, you know. What I mean, it doesn't look like such a job or such a chore, you know. What I mean, and, and like I, I've told Greg, you know, I've—I've I've probably told him in the last two or three weeks. That sounds like a broken record, but it's just—it's just been like a breath of fresh air, man. The guys are—the guys are hungry. They want it.
0: Well, that sounds fantastic, TB. Well, listen, man, we got to wrap this baby up. But we appreciate you for joining us. Uh, Finally got you on the show. And I think uh, you answered all our questions with the transparent truth. And and good luck this season, not only on the field, but off the field. We know you do a ton for these kids outside of football. Um, And just continue to bless these babies, man. We really appreciate you. and, And a salute, big dog.
2: Hey, I thanks. Thank you, Keith. Greg, thank you, man. Hey, I know I'm you to see you
0: guys tomorrow. Absolutely, the Bosco Showcase, uh, which will be dry, will be happening on Wednesday, and this show is, is on a Friday. So, it what I already have happened. But we appreciate Assistant Linebacker Coach Terry Bullock, the most valuable volunteer in the nation in any yeah. arena <laughs> of life. We appreciate you, TB. All right, man. Go Braves. Go Braves. Go Braves, All right, fellas. All right, we appreciate TB for coming on the show. A mutual friend, GB, again, we talk to him often, spend time with him. Terrific soul, a blessing to those in and around St. John Bosco, and uh, we appreciate him for coming on the show. There's no question.
1: No, that was fun. That was a good time. You can tell, we a little, little bit under the weather. We are supposed to hang out in Vegas, but he had a little pink eye yeah. action, which is never fun to hang out with someone with pink eye. So, no offense, Terry, I'm glad we missed each other, but uh – uh yeah, so he kind of sat a little bit sick, but he still rallied. You know, he's a linebacker like you, Keith, so he sucked it up. He's sick, but he doesn't care. He rallied with the doctors today. He still sucked it up. So, you know what? I'm going to answer the bell. He did. He was awesome. That was a fun interview.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Touching on, you know, 2017 St. John Bosco and the drama between uh, the quarterback position with Rial Mitchell to kind of fast forward it to, you know, uh, the championship game against modern day, kind of getting taken behind the woodshed and slapped around a little bit like a stepchild. Now to this season, they got a hungrier, more disciplined, more self-sufficient team. Players kind of taking control of that locker room. Head coach Jason Negro leading the charge. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Bosco Braves coming off of last weekend's Orlando Scandrick 707 on 7 championship win, how they move forward. they got the Battle of the Beach coming up in Edison. A little bit uh, towards the summer, a loaded squad, a ton of talent. Upper class and underclassman, Bosco Brazeman ready for a big time run over the next couple of years. GB,
1: yeah, I, mean, I thought he was very classy when we talked to him and asked about the DJ uh Real Mitchell situation. He could have taken some shots, you know. He could, he could have kind of threw Real in the bus a little bit, say, he, he, "What the guys finally quit on us," you know. He was a leader, the captain, and he quit on it. He didn't, but he didn't go that route. He didn't even come close to going that route. He was was way above board. And uh, you know, obviously, he praised DJ, but uh, no, just a class human being. I can't wait, man. I'm ready to watch Bosco football as of right now. I know B- days loaded. We love Centennial, but dude, I think Bosco's had the best off season, so I'm, I'm excited to see them in the
0: past. Yeah, something in a couple months. Something stood out for me, GB, from a previous episode. He talked about how Dylan Kendall and his mom they didn't hold him back. He says, if you believe in yourself and you're not scared to compete. What do you need to hold yourself back for, man? I, like I, I oh man, I, like I echo that. those sentiments and those comments. It takes me back to our 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 episode talking about holdbacks. If you believe in yourself and you're not scared to compete, compete. Why hold yourself back? But it's every parent's decision. I don't knock the decision. That's just not what I choose to do with my kids. So whatever that's worth. But I love how Terry Bullock put that. Anyways, um, great interview. We appreciate TB for coming on. We got to remind everybody out there, before you do anything this weekend, go visit the Winter Circle. All right, listen, everybody. And I'm talking to you parents and you student-athletes. It's the off-season. This is your time to get better and improve. Come the fall, that's your chance to showcase yourself in front of big-time scouts like me and recruiters across the nation. Now, there are a lot of guys out there that claim to be trainers. They grab a whistle, grab a couple counts, but it's just not that successful. What I'm talking about is going big-time. Invest yourself into something special. Call my guy, Jordan Campbell, at Winter Circle Athletics. It's a facility in Corona, California, with world-class, the art technology and equipment that creates world-class athletes. They understand human performance, health and wellness, and they customize programs to meet your athletic goals. They train specific for your sport and position. The Winter Circle has 50-plus Division I athletes over the last three years. They've added to a 50,000-plus-square-foot facility, and they also have a prep academy for 8th graders to 6th graders that concentrates on athletic development, social development, and academic development in their newly renovated facility. The Winter Circle Athletics, you can contact them at wintercircleathletics.com. All right, we appreciate everybody for joining us. That's going to do it for Five Star Friday. Follow my man at Greg Biggins on Twitter at Coach Keith underscore MP. Follow the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. We are out there. Follow every show on YouTube. Listen in if you don't have uh, any other avenues to do so. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond.